been one of the primary ways, primary ways for me to buy oil is learning how to slowing down and turning Bible reading into conversation with the one you're reading about. So I want to just walk through a couple principles in this book and maybe model it for you and just have a discussion and ask um, and get some feedback and maybe we can try it on a couple verses. So does that make sense? Anybody have any questions so far? So we, um, so let's just let's just turn to very first page, page five. Um, I may end up reading some of this stuff, so bear with me. But um, I always knew prayer was important, but I always knew that prayer was. I didn't know why prayer was important, but uh, for me, I am kind of a teacher, and I like to remind myself um, why prayer is important and why I need to be reminded of its importance. Prayer, why is, what is prayer, what is, why is it important? Um, let's just go down to the first, uh, second paragraph. Prayer is an incredible privilege that has been given to every follower of Jesus. It's the place where your heart and spirit connect with God and you learn how to develop deeper fellowship with Him. Um, the opportunity to pray is like having a standing invitation into the command center of the universe. And what I mean by that is in Revelation, Jesus was the only one that was given the seal, the, this document, this scroll that had all the seals on it. He was the only one. He was, they, they said that he was the only one worthy to open up the scroll. And that scroll to me is a picture of the title deed of, the, of, the, of earth. And he's the only one that's authorized and worthy to administer God's plan to bring heaven to earth. So, and heaven is the command center for everything that's happening on the planet that will ever happen. So when we, have, when we are invited to pray, sometimes I have this picture of I'm being invited into the revelation description of the Holy of Holies. I'm literally, when you read what the throne room of God is like, you are literally, you might not see it, but our prayers and our spirit, we are literally being invited into the most holy place, the most powerful place in heaven or on earth where God sits on his throne. He's, he's enveloped by thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cherubim and seraphim and flaming angelic beings and there's elders and there's a glass sea and Jesus is there and we, I don't understand how it works, but that's when we pray, guys, that's where our prayers are going. They're literally going up to the very control center of the universe. So your prayers, I need to be reminded of this sometimes because I, I, all I'm viewing is my prayers are these weak, dry, boring things that I'm muttering. And no, your prayers are really, really significant. And the opportunity to pray is like, Having, you know, if the Queen of England or whoever, I don't even know if we have kings and queens as much as we used to, but if you were given an invitation to Buckingham Palace, that's what the invitation to prayer is like, that you are being invited into the highest place of authority, power, dominion, all sovereignty, all authority. The, there's no other higher place than to into the throne room of God, and that's where our prayers, that's what we'll be invited into. So the next time you pray, grace, picture, you know, we treat grace like really casually, but picture Revelation chapter one and two, where there's a description of the throne room of God. That's, what you're, that's, where, you're, that's where you're at, spiritually. 
We've been raised with Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So there, through prayer, you have, a, you have been given an opportunity to have a two-way conversation with the Most High God who governs heaven and earth. First Chronicles 29.11 says that to you, O God, belong all, I mean, it says to you, O God, belong all majesty and power, all splendor, all greatness, all majesty. You own, you control everything in heaven and on earth. Your prayers are super, super, super significant, and it's and, it, and it's a privilege that we don't even have words for. It's because we're being invited to have a conversation, to listen to and to talk to the God who controls everything, the man who emptied himself and died on the cross and is coming again to take away the nations. I mean, that's that's huge. So. That's the number one reason is why your prayer is important because it's indescribable privilege. Um, in ancient, I'm on the third paragraph. In ancient times, the Holy of Holies was the inner chamber of the Jewish temple. You guys all know this, but the Holy of Holies was the most holy place on the planet in Israel. It was the most sacred place, and the high priest could only enter it. Um, you remember what the day was called when he could enter it? It was one day a year. Day of Atonement. And they had to sacrifice the blood of animals so that the priest could go in there because the holiness of God, the very sacred, holy presence of God was in that room called the Holy of Holies. And the Bible is very, very clear in Hebrews that when Jesus died on the cross, his body was the curtain through which now, because of his blood and his sacrificial death, we can come into that Holy of Holies. In fact, Brad talked about this early on in the Essential Church uh, message is that we now are the mobile temple. We're the mobile holy of holies on the planet. So you guys, your prayer life is super, super, super significant. And it's a place to revere and treasure. And it's a place to want to learn how to grow. And prayer is one of the primary ways that God administers his kingdom. And he brings his kingdom rulership to pass is through prayer. Um, so it's not only a privilege, prayer, I'm down on the third, fourth paragraph. Prayer is not only a privilege, it's essential for our growth. Prayer is one of the primary ways that God transforms us over time. Do you guys, what do you think about that? Do you believe that? Is that an overstatement? Do you think that's a, a hype, hype kind of statement? I'm saying prayer is one of the primary ways that God transforms us over time. Wondering, like, what makes you say that? Like, what's your source or your, yeah. your, your personal experience. Yeah, that. we're going to unpack that, but um, Jesus is the vine. Well, I'll just, I'll just go to the very next paragraph because I, I sit, here it is. In John 15, 5, Jesus bluntly, he's very blunt, very kind, but he he's not flattering. Jesus never flatters, but he's full of kindness and patience and his wisdom always left people speechless. And he just says this, I mean, what kind of person says this kind of statement? I am the vine. You are the branches. If, and the vine is the source of life. The vine is, contains the sap. It contains everything needed for the branch to produce fruit. He said, if you remain in me or abide in me, and one of the aspects of abiding is prayer, is talking to this man, making my heart known. Remember at the end of the parable of the bridesmaids, he says, I don't know you to the foolish bridesmaids. 
Jesus is continually wanting us to get to know him. There's a continual 24-7 invitation to draw out of him everything we need. If you remain in me. that Another way of saying, if you get to know me. And if you allow me to get to know you. Can I say something? Yeah. So, um, I just have really come to see love as the oxygen of my soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. You know? And God is love. I can't get love anywhere else. There's no source. I mean, if I looked for a source of love, I have looked for a source of love outside myself. I haven't realized that's what I was doing. Yeah. But it always leaves me feeling rejected in some way or, you know. And so love is the oxygen of our soul. We can't grow or thrive without it. And um, I can, you know, I can go 40 days without food. I can go, you know, three days without water. But it's minutes with oxygen, you know. That's good. That is how, that is how critical it is for us to be constantly in communion with God because he's our oxygen. You know, that love from him is our oxygen. And if we aren't able to, like, connect with our heart, we can't receive that oxygen. Know, or it's like something toxic that we're taking in. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. it's, it really is a matter of life and death. I mean, that's the picture that Jesus is painting here that I'm the vine, you're the branch. S- abide in me, stay connected to me. And the word for abide means settle down. <laughs> may, may allow me to make your permanent dwelling, your not just visitation rights, but make your permanent home in me. Um, don't just visit me occasionally, but learn how to go on a journey of learning how to cultivate me as your, as your lifeline, as your oxygen supply, as everything that you need to grow and to thrive is found in me, is what Jesus is saying. I mean, it's really one of these verses that we've heard so much that we, we kind of grow a little too familiar with it. But he's saying, and then he goes on to say, if he said he has this promise, if you if you remain in me, if you abide in me, put the word talk there. That's part of abiding. If you talk to me, if you allow me to talk with you, if you listen to me, and if you invite me into every pressure and every situation and do life with me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Just as branches produce fruit by drawing sap from the stem or trunk you and I must regularly feed, quote-unquote, feed on the indestructible life that flows from Jesus. And prayer, Stephanie asked a question. This is my answer. Prayer is one of the primary ways that we do that. Apart from that, we can produce nothing that carries lasting value. Kind of a strong statement, but it's kind of a, not kind of, it's kind of a, it is a black and white statement. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But so... I say all of that simply to say your prayer life and growing in prayer is really, really, really significant. Number one, it's a privilege. Number two, it is essential for our growth and in Christ and to be productive, both internal fruit and external fruit, the fruit of the Spirit and disciples that we want to um, 
help grow as well and multiply. Uh, on page six, the good news is that prayer is something that we learn and grow in over time. And we never stop learning, we never stop growing. Jesus' disciples said, Lord, and these were guys that were with the Son of God physically for a few years. They came up to him and said, teach us how to pray. What a great attitude. I never want to stop asking the Lord, teach me to pray. We should never stop. We should always be childlike and Lord, teach me how to pray. I want to grow. I want to, I want to learn how to pray. Um, second paragraph is, in our culture of immediate gratification and constant distraction, prayer does not come easily, especially not only in the beginning when God awakens his hunger to grow, but during different seasons of your life, at least I can speak for myself, prayer seems kind of dry sometimes. It's not always a 24-7, you know, caffeine injection. You know, I don't always feel goosebumps. I don't always feel the presence of the Lord, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's still really, really, really important. Um, just because I don't feel always connected to Jesus doesn't mean that I shouldn't be reaching for his heart in faith and trust that he's going to supply everything I need. Um, third paragraph, prayer is like an old-fashioned hand-operated water pump that requires priming. You prime those pumps knowing that in due time there's going to be a flow of water. And what seems like, I wish someone would have told me this early and it would have saved me a lot of misunderstanding and frustration and complaining, but in due time, as long as we're, as we stay faithful um, through the grace of God, prayer is something that really yield tremendous fruit and yeah, what once was dry and boring will give way to fruitfulness and joy and life. Um, Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This promise applies to prayer, and God's timing in your prayer life will yield remarkable growth. Like a seed sown into the ground, prayer will become a progressively become a fruitful and transforming expression of Jesus' life within you. It's very helpful to notice up front what feels difficult and dull will eventually become joyful and life-giving. Proverbs 29, 18 um, says, where there's no vision, the people perish. If you don't have a long-term vision for your personal prayer life, you will likely, likely quit after a short time. Ask God to give you his perspective on the privilege and transforming power of prayer. Ask for a vision that will carry you over the course of your lifetime, not just a few weeks. Someone, I think it was Mike Bickle, he said this statement that just so convicted me in a good way. He said, develop a 30-year vision for your prayer life. Develop a 40-year vision, whatever, 10, 20. Meaning that somewhere in the lines, somewhere throughout different seasons of your life, you put a stake in the ground and say, regardless of whether this feels good or not, regardless of whether I like this, by the grace of God, I'm going to commit to drawing life from the vine. And by the grace of God, I receive his grace to learn how to grow in prayer. And, um, and, to have a vision that I'm not gonna pray just for a short season, um, but I wanna learn how to pray by the grace of God and his strength over the next couple decades. So that to me, I never heard anyone say that, and when I heard him say that, that was really powerful to me. Um, okay, let's, any questions so far? I know I'm just kind of walking through this, but any questions?
Um, turn to page eight and nine. Um, I'm not going to go through all these. I'm going to hit on a couple of them, and then we'll go to the next section. But these are scriptural reminders of why prayer really, really matters. These are reminders that I use as ammunition and fuel when I don't feel like praying, when I don't feel like opening up the Word of God. But the very number one reason is God withholds many things until I humbly and persistently ask. There's something in the heart of God that wants to hear your voice. There's something in the heart of God that wants connection and relationship with you. And oftentimes, he know, not often, he knows what you need before you even know what you need. But he has designed us for relationship and for connection with him. And a lot of times, he may just withhold things from us in order to draw out of us a deeper relationship and a deeper connection. Um, In Mike Bickle's booklet, I'm on the fourth paragraph, he's got a little booklet that really was uh, a big influence on this booklet, Prayers to Strengthen Your Inner, inner Man. Uh, Mike Bickle states, you can whisper your requests, you can mutter them, or even groan them, but it's not enough simply to think about your requests without asking. Many fret and complain about their needs and even talk to others about them, but they don't actually speak them out to the Lord. He is waiting. I believe this with all my heart. He is waiting for us to approach him. God loves to hear our voice and in his timing answer us. Take a look at Song of Solomon, verse 214. Let me hear, this is the bridegroom talking to his bride-to-be. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. God, someone said this one time that you are the apple of God's eye. And the reason that's true is because there's no one else like you. He put you together in your mother's womb. He designed you to express and communicate and put on display an aspect of his glory that no one else can do. And so there's always a place in God's heart for you, and he longs to hear your voice. He longs to develop a relationship with you. He longs for you to talk to him. Rather than thinking about the things that you need or thinking about the things that are concerning you, he wants us to open up our mouth and just express them to him in humility and in trust. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Amplified Version. This is, this, this is right underneath Song of Solomon. Ask and keep asking. And I think there's something really significant about talking to the Lord out loud. Can any of you guys talk to yourself sometimes? Oh, yes. The older I get, the more I talk to myself. <laughs> I work with this guy who's like 26 right across from me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Jelan. I'm sorry. You're going to hear me talk to myself. I said I'm an old grandpa. And I, the older I get, uh, I talk to myself. But I can be talking to myself with fear and worry and negativity and speaking that stuff to my soul. And that can, and, or I can be speaking to myself trust and faith and putting my request, I can be speaking to Jesus about those things rather than speaking to myself. Um, Jesus said that the words that he spoke, remember what he said? Are what? Spirit and life. You guys, one of the aspects about created, being created in the image of God is that our words carry the power of life and death. And that when we speak to Jesus, he's invisible. We don't see him. Um, 
maybe we have visions or we might encounter them in unique, powerful ways. But for the most part, at least for my life, it is a matter of simple trust and faith that I'm speaking to this invisible God through the Holy Spirit. And using the Word of God, we're going to talk about that. But ask, Jesus says. He wants to hear your voice. And keep asking, and it will be given to you. What an amazing promise. Seek, and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock, and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. This is part of buying oil. James 4, 2. Very simple, very blunt, very simple. You do not have because you do not ask. There's something in the heart of God that withholds certain things because he wants us to talk to him. It's very simple. But I need to be reminded of that. And in the heart behind that is Jesus wants deeper connection. He wants deeper relationship with us. Philippians 4, 6. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verbally speak them out. Go ahead, Becky. Um, so that full verse is, be anxious for nothing but in everything. 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 Every single thing. Everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Uh, let request be made known unto God. And I realize that I am not asking if I'm not asking with thanksgiving. It's good. That um, I sometimes listen to this um, doctor, he's called Dr. Joe Dispenza, and one of the things that he said is that gratitude is the emotional signature of receiving. That when we are, you know, when we receive something amazing and great, with this, just this natural response is this gratitude in our, in our so hearts. Good. And he's like, you need to have a vision for the future and you need to start to generate gratitude toward that vision because that's the, that is the emotional signature of receiving. That I, I can be complaining and in unbelief and like doubt and it's like a wall from heaven because I am that's not receiving that's not a, an emotional signature of receiving it's an emotional signature of you can't do this you're not faithful you know and so when I am what I have realized and, and as I've begun to practice this it has reconnected me with joy Good. You know, it's like, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. It's the very next verse after that. And so when I set myself up to receive, I am praying in faith. And that means that I, you know, as I set myself up to receive, I am going to receive. There's just so many promises. But if I'm like saying one thing and I'm broadcasting another, James says, don't, when you come, don't come double-minded, you know, because don't let that person think he's going to receive anything from God. It's that, it's that we can sit and we can generate, literally, we, we are generators of gratitude. We are generators of thanksgiving. When we pray, to actually see, you know, to actually begin to think, what would it feel like if I already had that? When you think 
really let yourself think, what would it feel like if I already had that? This tremendous excitement, you know, you begin to feel that excitement that you would feel. And this gratitude rises up, and there you are sitting in a, in a place to receive, you know. That's good. So. I know sometimes I will start out praying, and it's a choice. And I'll just start thanking him. I'll start thanking God for simple things that I take for granted. Lord, thank you that you kept me through the night. Thank you that my heart is beating. My lungs are filling up with air. Thank you for food and clothes. And as I start to thank him, my heart begins to enlarge. Yes. And I begin to receive more because it's we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So as I thank him, then it creates a way that... Instead of presenting my request with fear, doubt, worry, unbelief, my heart is enlarged just a little bit more to taste his, his faithfulness. And then in love and trust, I can put those requests on him. And in exchange, by faith, we receive his peace that guards our heart. So um, the rest of these, so that was reason number one. I'm not going to read through the rest of these reasons, but feel free to read through those, that they're very simple but they're very powerful reminders of why your prayer life matters to God. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna go through, um, number two is my one of my absolute favorite ones, but I'm not gonna do that right now. I've touched on that before. Number three, we touched on, but number three on page 10, is that my personal growth and productivity happen only as I draw life from Jesus. And that was the verse that we just talked about earlier on. Um, number four, is my personal life is really, really important. Your personal life is very important to the Lord. He delights in your prayers, and he exercises his kingly rulership through them. We won't go through that, but he spoke to Daniel, he spoke to Cornelius, and he, heaven was pulled back and showed the significance. Let's just real quickly look at what he said to Daniel on page 11, the third bullet down. Daniel saw what God wanted to do, and he began a 21-day fast. That's what we call the Daniel fast. And Daniel was feeling probably hungry, not a lot of hope. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't want to put... He was probably just seeing his prayers and his fasting from his perspective, but on the 21st day, the angel came, broke through, and there was all this spiritual warfare taking place. And the angel said, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your, listen to this, you guys, this is for you. Your words were heard. Your words, not just your thoughts, but your words somehow went up through the heavenly spiritual reality where there was, the prince of Persia was battling this angel. I forget, I think it was Michael. I can't remember which angel it was, or Gabriel, I can't remember, in the book of Daniel, in that, and that angel had to break through spiritual resistance. And he said, look, Daniel, you're so beloved and you're so highly esteemed in the control center of the universe that the very first day you started to pray and make your request unto God, your words were heard. And I was sent, but there was spiritual warfare. You guys, the moment you start speaking prayers back to the Lord, they, they are being heard. And then Acts 10.4, Cornelius was an Italian or a Gentile um, non-believer, but he was giving prayers and offerings and alms and an angel appeared to him and said, Cornelius, Acts 10.4, your prayers 
and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And the picture I have is when I take time and I humble myself and I pray out loud to the Lord, I see and I'm asking, I just, I, so I'm getting ahead of myself, but I take things like Daniel and Acts and I just say, Jesus, help me to see my prayers from your perspective. I turn the word of God into conversation. Thank you that my prayers are coming up before you as a memorial. I thank you whether I feel that or not. I'm turning Acts 10.4 into conversation. Thank you my prayers are coming up before you. Help me to see that. Show me more. Does that make sense? So I'm taking the word of God, and this is what I want to get into next. And I'm using the word of God, the written word of God, as conversational subject matter to talk to Jesus about. What better things to pray than his word back to him. So let's turn to page, let's turn to page 14, praying scriptures. This is what I want to focus on. Stephanie. All right, so are you saying that like prayers are, are more powerful if they're spoken than thought? I'm saying that 100%. You're saying that? I'm saying that, I'm trying to be super clear about that. Your prayer life will grow your prayer life, I believe wholeheartedly that your prayer life will grow significantly more if you pray out loud to the Lord, even whispering, as opposed to just thinking that. And I, I was trying to show scripturally why I believe that, is that Philippians says, make your request known to God. Talk out loud to him. James says, you have not because you ask not. Jesus says, ask and keep asking. And to me, that implies very simply and very, Jesus said in Song of Solomon, your voice is lovely. I want to hear your voice. Talk to me. And I'm trying to make a very simple case, and at least from my own experience, that when I talk to God out loud, there's something dynamically that happens in me that helps me grow in prayer more. When I hear myself praying to the Lord, with thanksgiving, or if I'm gonna, and as we're gonna get into it, and I pray the word of God back to him out loud, that is doing something internally to my soul. I don't, can't explain it, um, but I know there's all kinds of scientific and neurological studies that what we speak has power on how we think and how we feel, and there's a study out there somewhere that did a study on water and they put these words, they take these words on water molecules, like they had a jar of water, they put things like hope, yeah. thanksgiving, blah, blah, anger, hate, I'm, th Dr. They Brad. They were just words? They were words. Yeah. You guys, this is, we are created by a God who speaks. Words. God spoke out of the power of who he was and his words are so anointed with power, he did nothing but speak this universe into existence. We are made in the image of that God. Yeah. He has endowed you with words and tongue. James talks a lot about your tongue. Ships are guided by a little tiny rudder. Flame, forests are set on flame. So our life, our tongue, what we speak, has, because we're made in the image of God, he has endowed us with the, the ability to release life and blessing or curses and death through what we speak. So a simple prayer is, Lord, teach me how to speak your words. Teach me how to pray your words. Teach me how to speak back to you your words. Thank you that my tongue holds the power of life and blessing or death and curses. Teach me how to use that and steward that. 
to the Lord. So I believe wholeheartedly that your words speak life. Does that make sense? Is there any questions? What happened in the experiment? Oh, so in the jars, <laughs> so in the jar, in the, in the, in the, in the, the jar that had water in it, that had words like hope, love, joy, they did the, they did these microscopic tests and the, the cell structure, the molecular structure of the, of that was, I don't know, this is my own paraphrase, was beautiful. It was very life-giving and artistic and beautiful. They did molecular microscopic studies of the water molecules that had hate, anger, negative words, and they were dark, and they looked impaired, and they looked uh, destructive. So it's on YouTube somewhere. You can Google it. But I don't know why. We're, I'm amazed at that. I had to go look it up. Brad was telling me about this years ago. I'm like, Here. Well, they can, can, I, can I give a rice? Hold on, just, just a minute, baby. They've done it with rice and apples and bread to experiments with kids. So they'll like, cut an apple, the one in one side and one in the other, and tell the kids, like, speak love and life and everything to the apple, and then speak hate, and you're ugly, and you're stupid, and you're always this other apple. And this one rots, and this one, like, gets older, but it doesn't rot. I've seen it with rice, where this one becomes all moldy, like cooked rice. Moldy, and this one they've done it with ice, so that water. Maybe it was ice. Freeze it. Maybe it was ice. They freeze it and then they freeze it and they look at it under, and it's like all beautiful snowflake looking things, and then all jagged stuff, and they've done that. But I was looking, and our pastor in um, North Carolina always used to say this, but in Romans um, ten seventeen it says, "Faith comes by hearing, Mm. and hearing by the word of God." So good. So it's important to hear stuff. And I tell my folks, like, what you say about yourself, about anything else, about your prayers, you hear your own voice reiterate things. And so when I speak Thanksgiving over myself, over anything else, like, I hear myself declare those things back over my, and it stirs up faith. And then when I'm... It informs your mind how to think, and it informs your emotions how to feel. It really does. And so we can tell ourselves it's that active hearing hearing the word of God that stirs up faith and so like right here is exactly what you're seeing is that hearing develops faith and develops a thing whatever we're talking about is yep. that and so as we're praying it it actually stirs up the faith so we say it out loud and so it is that power out loud but then it also just stirs up our heart it stirs up our faith which is pray about it's just this cycle I do believe that I do believe that the thoughts that we think are a part of the picture of the words of our words. That those, but when we speak our words, they have intention, you know. And if you want, if you want a um, just like a series of videos that are really well done by a scientific, um, I don't know what you call them. It's called HeartMath.com. You see the the heart math experience. It's not Christian. It's science, you know. But it talks about the connection between our heart and our head. And when those are when those are not in sync, we are feeling very negative feelings. When our heart and our head are in sync with our breathing, it's like we generate like these amazing, wonderful feelings, you know. Anybody else before? I, I really want to try and finish up by 12.30, so it's about 12.10 now, just for out of, I just want to try and get done by 12.30. So anybody else have any other comments, questions? This is a really amazing discussion, so good. 
Um, I, I want to just take what Maggie and Becky have said, and I want to now, so that was all kind of leading up to the main point, is when we, when, number one, when we take our prayers and we begin to pray the Word of God back to Him, and we have conversation where He's speaking to us through His Word, and we're talking to Him about what He's already said, I have discovered that praying the Scriptures, entering into dialogue with the Word of God, the written Word of God, together with the Holy Spirit, is probably one of the most powerfully transforming things in my life. So, um, Stephanie, were you going to say something? Did I cut you off? Oh, no. I just, I'm just listening. Because okay. I pray, I struggle with my voice, like losing it. Okay. A lot. So, I pray most of my prayers in my head. Okay. Because it, it kind of, but like throughout the day talking to my kids a lot, like I lose my voice. Okay. Um. So, I'm just thinking about Well, it. there's no condemnation. Yeah, and no, I'm not I saying just, that if I'm you have to do this. I'm just, no, I'm just I'm, thinking yeah, about it. And yeah. Like, they can be, well, hopefully this will get unpacked, but it doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be long, yeah. short, brief. A lot of times what Jesus said was super short and super brief. So, um, on, the, on page 14, um, I've discovered that nothing compares to actually using the Bible in my personal prayers. When I turn God's written word into a conversational, devotional prayer, prayer reading becomes an on-ramp to experiences Jesus' life. Now, it's a powerful, dramatic statement, but it's the rest of this couple pages hopefully will convince you of that. Praying God's word also conforms my prayer requests and desires to God's, and it expands my vocabulary in prayer. Below are four reasons why God, why using God's word in prayer is important. Number one, you guys know this, but the Bible is inspired to breathe by God. This written word of God that we call the Bible is inspired. It's literally breathed God's breath went into the written word of God. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. Jesus said in John 6, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Um, number two, God's word is alive and powerful. Let that sink in. God's word is alive and powerful. It shapes and conforms my prayers to align with what's on his heart, not the other way around. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Think if you're praying the word of God back to him. It's like a sword cutting through every thing that is trying to tear you down. It's exposing unbelief and untrust and fear. And it's going to the root and it's bringing those things to the surface so that those things that are contrary to love and to trust and faith and humility are being cut and exposed and brought into his light. Um, John 15, 7, if you live, this is the Passion Translation, if you live in life union with me, if you abide in me, and my words live powerfully within you, if my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. So that was that, that um, let me just see here real quickly. So Jesus is giving this incredible promise. He's saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. I mean, that's incredible. He's saying, then ask anything 
that you at want, not anything, ask anything and it will be done for you. In other words, the implication is that God's word is alive, it's powerful, it's a double-edged sword, and if we are allowing his words to get into our thoughts, souls, mind, and spirit, it's actually transforming what we pray to be aligned with what's on his heart, and somehow there be there. There's an alignment between our prayer requests and our desires if we're praying the word of God and allowing the word of God to de do a deep work in us over time. Then our prayers get aligned with him. And Jesus says, when there's alignment between what you're praying and what's on my heart through my word, he goes, it's going to be done for you. That is an incredible, incredible, incredible promise. Remember what Jesus said? He goes, hey, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only teach what I hear the Father teaching. I only do what I see the Father doing. There's this alignment, this unity, this oneness between Jesus' words and the Father's words and Jesus' actions and the Father's actions. So I'll just break this down really quickly. When you're reading the Bible, there's basically this is two huge broad categories. There might be some ex ex exceptions. But when you're reading, there's basically two kinds of passages. There's passages that are exhorting you to believe something. God is love, you know. And when, or they're exhorting you to obey. Um, bridle your tongue, you know. Don't complain. Don't worry. So this passage in Philippians, it said that um, cast your cares with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So, number one, it's exhorting you to do something, right? Don't complain about things, but instead, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then there's a promise that if we do that, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. So when you encounter a passage, I'm just talking from my heart, I'm not in the booklet right now, but when you encounter a passage that's exhorting you to believe something, just simply agree with it. Jesus, thank you that you're the vine. I may not understand that, but thank you that you are the source. Turn it into simple expressions of gratitude and thankfulness, saying, Jesus, you are the vine. Thank you. And then you ask the Holy, and just say, I receive you as my life. Turn it into conversation. You are my life. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, teach me more. Show me how to apply this in my everyday life. So that's how I've turned in, I'm still doing it, turning in the Bible, instead of just reading it and thinking about it, I'm turning it into a living dialogue with the one I'm reading about. Does that make sense? So like if you look at the bottom of page 14, I just took those very scriptures that I just wrote ahead, above that and I turned them into prayer. Jesus, thank you that your words are alive and powerful. I'm praying back to him what Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Rather than just thinking about it, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. Part of abiding, not the only aspect, part of abiding is Talking to him about it. Jesus said to the foolish bridesmaids, this goes back to last week, I don't know you. I want to have relationship with you. You just sang, Stephanie, we make room in our hearts for you. So we take the word of God and we use it as conversation. Jesus, thank you. And we slow down. 
we just slow down and we pause. We don't have to be worried. Thank you that your words are alive and powerful. As I read them, teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me, Jesus, how to turn them into conversation with you. Through your word, awaken my soul. These are just my prayers. Through your word, awaken my soul to hunger and thirst for you. And I just go on and on and on. As you slow down and pause, you thank him for what his word says. You commit yourself to do what his word says. Lord, I commit by faith and by grace to abide in you. And then you say something like, Holy Spirit, teach me how to abide in Jesus. Help me. Teach me. Show me more. You take the word of God and you thank him for it. You acknowledge it. You receive it into your soul with simple childlike faith. And that's what you're doing when you're thanking him for it. You, if it's a passage where he's telling you to do something, abide in me. By faith, you commit to abide in Christ, whatever the passage is. Lord, I commit by faith to put a bridle over my mouth. And not I commit myself not to complain. I commit to present my request to you. I thank you. Holy Spirit, teach me more. Does that make sense? Okay, so very, very simple. But no one ever, ever taught me this. How I always used to read the Word of God and to try and intellectually understand it. And Jesus is saying, no, use it as conversation. So um, go to the top of the next page, 15. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Number three, and here's, here's one of my favorite stories. God's written word is an on-ramp to help me encounter Jesus, the living word. And when that happens, when my heart uses the word of God and through the Holy Spirit and the grace of the Holy Spirit, the written word of God becomes an on-ramp to experience Jesus. It causes my heart to burn with holy affections and desires. And what I have in mind here is the story in Luke chapter 24. You've heard me comment about this a lot. But it's the followers of Jesus. It's on Easter morning. There's two of them. They're walking to the village of Emmaus. They're downcast. They're interpreting Jesus' crucifixion through their own lens and limited understanding. They're upset. They're depressed. And Jesus comes alongside them. And he enters into conversation. While they're talking on the road, he just asks them questions. He enters into simple dialogue. He pulls out of them all their doubt, all their unbelief. And then he uses the word of God. And he opens their minds using the... This is... So beautiful to me. This is the eternal Son of God who created the planet, who created everything. And Colossians says he's holding everything together. He's using the written word of God, the law and the prophets, and he's using it and he's helping them to understand what the written word of God says about himself. And he's using the written word of God to unlock their hearts, to experience the wonder and glory and greatness of who he is. And it's at the very end of the story. Um, it says, and this is the verse I got on the back of this book, they, Jesus left, he broke the bread, and he disappeared, and they said, were not our hearts burning while he talked with us on the road, and he opened up the scriptures to us? And so what I want to do for the next 20, 30 years is I'm asking Jesus, help me, come alongside me as I read your word, 
and open it up to me. Help me enter into a conversation where you're speaking to me and I'm listening as I'm pondering, as I'm thanking you for your word. Turn it into a conversation so that my, at a heart level, I might experience you at the root of this. Luke 24, 27 says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus said also in John 5, he said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have this eternal life. You guys, the scriptures were never meant to be read apart from Jesus. The scriptures are always, always meant to point us to encountering the one that we're reading about. Jesus said he used everything that was written in the Old Testament to unpack to these guys what it said about him. And then he said to the Pharisees, everything that you're searching for in the scriptures is found in me. The purpose of the scriptures is to point you to me. So using the word of God, I just turn it into prayer. Um, I take the story of the Emmaus Road, and this is just my own words at the bottom of 15. I just say, Jesus, come alongside me, interpret your word to my understanding. May it be like an on-ramp that enables me to encounter you. I want to experience you, the living word, through your written word. May it be, and here's the cool thing, is when you start thanking God and thanking Jesus for his written word, and you ask, and you commit to obey it, you commit to it, and you ask the Holy Spirit to show you more, he will download in your own ideas, your own words, he will give you revelation about himself or about your circumstance through your written word that's tailor-made just for you. So all these little prayers that are in the gray box are my own words that I've communicated or written back. Always, always, if you can, when you're reading your Bible and you begin to turn it into conversation, have a journal with you. Because the Holy Spirit's going to give you paraphrases of, of the Word of God in a way that's meaningful to you and that you're going to be able to use to teach other people. Does that make sense? So you just speak the Word of God back to Him with humility and gratitude. And as you speak it out loud, I believe you're speaking to your heart, your mind, your soul, your emotions. And those things are coming in alignment with what you're reading, your prayer requests, and your, your emotions are getting conformed to the Word of God. And it's just this beautiful encounter where you're encountering Jesus in his written word. Any, any comments, questions? I think this is really good. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's turn to, and the rest, the rest of this booklet are themes for me that have become very super personal to me, like on page 18. For many, many years, because the Lord invited me to get to know him over 30 years ago, one of my favorite prayers is Philippians. If you look on page 18, um, one of the categories of prayer for me is what David said, Lord, one thing I ask from you, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And so this one thing prayer is, and then um, you sang this, you talked about this this morning, Stephanie, in Luke chapter 10, 41 through 42, the Lord said to Martha, 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 why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? 
Are they really, are they really that important? Mary discovered the one thing that's most important. By choosing to sit at my feet, she's undistracted. I won't take that away from her. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, three one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's this theme throughout the Bible that we're given many responsibilities, we have many roles, many different seasons, but out of all the responsibilities, out of all the seasons of our life, we're, we're, we're brother, we're sister, we might be a mom, we might be a dad, we might be a spouse, we might be an employer, we might be an employee, we have all these different responsibilities and hats we wear, but David and Mary of Bethany and Paul the Apostle had this one great overriding object and goal in their life, and it was to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to sit at his feet, to gaze on the beauty and wonder of him. Paul says this one thing. He says in Philippians 3, um, verse 8, amplified version, he says, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing, and that word is relationally knowing, not just mental facts. Relationally knowing, experiencing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully. So one of my prayers for many, many years is taking passages like Psalms and all these passages that I just spelled out and praying this prayer at the bottom of 18, Father, give me ongoing glimpses of the beauty and worth of your son, like King David, Mary Bethany, the Apostle Paul, so that knowing, loving, and obeying Jesus becomes my one great overriding purpose. So I'm trying to show you that I'm to use the word of God and simply pray it back to him is just this super, super practical, super, super simple. And it's so simple that we're like, cool. And then we move on from it. Cool point, cool teaching, but we don't ever do it. We wake up and we're pulled in a thousand different directions. And the one who created us is longing for us, come back. I want relationship with you. I want to unveil my heart to you. And you're running about, John, trying to accomplish all these things apart from me and you're not abiding in me. You're not dwelling in me. You're not drawing from me as the source. And I want to walk with you through everything throughout your day. I, and, and one of the primary ways that has been so powerfully transforming in my life, Jesus said it, if my words abide in you, and you abide in me, I'm paraphrasing. And the word for word in that translation is not just the written word of God. Another translation, there's two different definitions for word. One is logos, which is the written word of God. But when Jesus said, if my words abide in you, it's the spoken word of God, the rainbow word of God. And the implication is that if you have dialogue with me, if you use the written word of God and turn it into conversation, I will speak to you and I will reveal to you, just like I did the, on the road to Emmaus, I will reveal to you the glory of who I am, and I will speak to you. My Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, and it's going to be a rhema word. It's going to be a living, dynamically spoken word through the Logos, through the written word, that will impact 
and unlock your heart and empower you to walk out your life for that day. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, if my, I'm just, I just want to read this to you again. He says um, on page, and then we'll end with this. This is our last, last thing. On page 10. Page 10. I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. When I was in my 20s, I kicked against that really, really hard because I wanted to be the vine. And I wanted Jesus just to be an auxiliary thing in my life. I wanted to keep Jesus in the back of my wallet like an insurance card and pull him out whenever I needed forgiveness. But Jesus says, no, I'm the source. You are an offspring. You are a branch. I'm the source. And he said, if you remain, if you stay connected, if you abide, put the word talk, listen, make your permanent dwelling in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And last verse, if you remain in me, and my words, and that word for words is rhema. It's the dynamically spoken, living voice of God speaking to your spirit through the word of God, through the written word of God. It's him, it's the Holy Spirit saying, John, I love this about you. Or here's the wisdom for this soup situation. John, stop doing this. John, and he reveals an aspect of who he is, of his beauty and his worth and his splendor, and it conquers my heart over and over and over again. It releases peace, because Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. When I'm fretting about something and he speaks his word, his rainbow word through his written word to my heart, it settles the issue. Here's an, here's an example. Um, oh, I, won't, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but if my rhema spoken words remain in you, and, and ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the picture I have is, John, you're reading my word, you're turning into conversation, I'm speaking to you through the written word, and then you turn that and you add into an ask, and, and your desires and your ask now is being conformed to the living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and it's being conformed to my written word through the rainbow word, and all that's working together, and you ask it, it's perfectly aligned with what's on my heart, and it's going to be done for you. Does that make sense? So here's what I pray. On verse 10, Jesus, help me to settle the issue. I can do nothing, absolutely nothing that has eternal value apart from abiding in you. End of discussion. Teach me how to enjoy this truth and to joyfully draw life from you. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to draw life from Jesus through the devotional reading of your word and ongoing personal prayer. You thank him for what his word says, whether you understand it or not. It can be short, like, thank you, Jesus, that you're the vine. I receive you as my vine. I receive you as my source. Forgive me for trying to find life apart from you. Forgive me trying to find life in this or that or this. I come back to you as my vine. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Strengthen my relationship with you. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to draw life from Jesus as my vine. And instead of kicking against that, teach me how to joyfully celebrate that. Teach me how to receive that. I re and then you just say, I receive your life, Jesus, by faith. Thank you. Apply it to me. That's conversation. That's prayer reading the word of God. 
that's really, and you ask the Holy Spirit and ask Jesus how to do this and get a vision of this for the next year, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you guys, your life is dramatically going to be transformed. Strongholds, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, self-hatred, <laughs> condemnation, fear, addictions, all of those things will be broken as Jesus says, I'm the truth, and if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is one way, it's not the only way, but it's one way that we get to know the truth of who he is, and we experience him dynamically in our spirit. Questions, comments? Quickly. Yes, Carl. First of all, I agree. Speaking of words, but just, just to clarify, just following up in Philippians where it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is ever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And you know, following up with, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm. And I'm, I'm listening to you, and there's a distinct distinction between our thought life and our spoken prayer life. But it's almost like they're inextricably interwoven, if that makes sense. And... I don't know if you want to comment on that because that is kind of the, the thinking about such things is kind of the culmination of present your request to God and the peace of God will passes on the fall understanding. So I'm not sure. So I understand what you're saying, but I'm not sure what your question is. I don't know if there's a direct question. It's, okay. just, it's just basically the linking between our, our spoken word and our thoughts. You, it's almost like they can't be divided, yeah. but they're distinctly yeah. powerful. I agree. Before I, before I have, before I'm speaking something, those thoughts are down here. It's what I'm chewing on. It's what I'm meditating. It's, and and I think it was C.S. Lewis said that when we really enjoy something, and we get a lot of joy from it, the culmination of the experience of joy is when we express how much we're enjoying that. So. And it's almost like, I think he was saying that the experience of joy is even intensified when we communicate our gratitude and our, ex our expressing, oh man, that meal was so wonderful. That book was so good. And we share that externally. And I think, I think the same, I, I think that what we think upon, what I speak is really the overflow of what I'm thinking about. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if I'm putting, if I'm having conversation, even quiet conversation with the Lord, even if I'm, even, okay, I'm, I'm not trying to make a rule, a legalistic rule that I have to speak the word of God. I'm just saying it's helpful. Uh, but if I, if my emotions are hearing me speak the word of God, oh my goodness, wow, powerful. Then my emotions are, rather than my emotions dictating to me reality, that the word of God is saying, God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God, Jesus is literally holding me together. He's the author and the finisher. And if I begin to speak and meditate on those things, my faith will be, my heart will, I don't know what I'm trying to say, well, but I'm just, actually, a, I'm just acknowledging what you're yeah. saying, Carl, is absolutely true. Did that answer yeah. your question? Were you just feeling like he was kind of like missing that part when he was talking? I don't think you were missing it. I'm trying okay. to 
digesting okay. it. So I'll agree with what you were saying earlier, Stephanie, too, because I get in the habit of automatically my thoughts become my prayers, but I also speak so them, good. but I think the power is in... Like when I'm going through the when I'm going through the grocery store, I'm praying. I'm not yeah. saying that out loud. <laughs> you know, it's just it's in here. Well, there's also the pray the you know to we're called to pray without ceasing. You can't be unceasingly talking. So it's a marrying of the two. <laughs> it's the marrying of the That's two. Good, you're you're praying without ceasing in your spirit, man. And then you're verbalizing the declarations and the prayers to affect the changes in our lives. So let's start. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, so the verse that I think that has come to mind that kind of ties this together is um, in Psalms, and it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Yes. And so I feel like it's really kind of both hands. Yes. Like, as yeah. it always yeah. is. So, yeah. That's so yes. good. Thank you. That's a beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I, 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 I was probably pushing a little bit strong on the speaking out because I never heard anyone really talk on that. And it's been life transforming progressively little bit by little bit over time. Um, not that I speak it out all the time, but... Power of life and death is in the tongue. Yes, yes, and exactly. so it is so powerful. Yeah. Jesus cursed the fig tree with his words. He raised people from the dead and cast demons out with his words. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that when he comes again, he, uh, a sharp-edged double sword, it's the word, comes out of his mouth. Yeah. When Jesus speaks, yeah. and he speaks dynamically to our spirit through his written word, and it becomes a, a living, dynamically, exp- when he speaks to us, it... It's powerful, and um, I just am making a strong case because I guess it was so transforming and has been transforming for me for turning the written word of God into conversation, even if it's a phrase like, Jesus, thank you, you're the vine. I'm driving down the road, I'm driving to work. Thank you, you're the vine. Thank you that in you is everything I need. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to draw life from the vine. I commit I commit to draw life from you this day. Show me how. Boom. End of prayer. You know, I'm out loud. I'm speaking that. And I don't know when I hear, when my brain hears that. So I met, yes. But there are going to be times. I'm not trying to make a legalistic case. Yeah, no, for, I've, I've definitely felt that. Like, because I do pray most of the time, like, inside. But sometimes when I'll go for a walk outside, I'll just, like, pray out loud. And it will be intentional. And it feels different, I think, sometimes when we're talking then it makes you feel more like you're talking to a person. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. sometimes yeah. my inside prayers can feel kind of passive or just, yeah. um, it engages something. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yes. I think there's power, too. And I love this. And David said, um, oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Because it's like my soul is, like, not with it. It's grumbling. It's complaining. It's stressed out. It's whatever. And it's like... Sometimes when I get like that and I know that like my emotions and my mind is just not lining up with the word of God, I'll be like, oh my soul, like praise the Lord, like you got to get with it, you yeah. know, because this is, this is what it is. It's a telling. So I think that verbal thing often gets our flesh in line. Yeah. I was just going to say sometimes yeah. if you speak it, sometimes if you're praying in your mind, other thoughts can crop in or, or so easily. Well, yeah, that too. Um, but when you pray out loud, which I don't do very often, 
you your mind has to align with what you're saying. You don't have time to think about you know think fast coming. But I will comment that John's a verbal person, mm -hmm. and sometimes when there's silence, he thinks that opportunity to pray all the time and speak, and that's a good thing, I guess. But sometimes it drives me crazy because I'm like <laughs> I'm in the room and I'm having my own prayer thoughts, and he starts verbalizing his prayers out loud. Which so he does do it a lot. But I'm just saying I'm not a verbalizer, but I do find. If I'm out walking, like Stephanie said, if I verbalize it, my mind doesn't have time to think because I'm having to think what I'm saying. Yeah. So before we end, I just want to, I just want to advertise and push. If you're look, on pages 20, 21, mm -hmm. 22, 23, and 24, I've been studying and praying what the Bible says about our union with Christ in His death, burial, resurrection and ascension and glorification through John Eldridge turned me on to I never grew I grew up in the church never I, and I always thought was believing in Jesus and getting my sins forgiven you guys we are literally united we are in Christ we are hidden in Christ our life it's no longer us who live but it's Christ living his life through us as I've been prayer reading scriptures and there's lots of them about this union this mutual indwelling my heart has expanded loaded in terms of this reality that right now I'm seated with Christ. Right now my flesh, my old nature was crucified and circumcised and cut off and buried with Christ. Right now my new life, my life literally is Christ in me. I have access to his, his wisdom and his joy and his peace and his hope and I can, I can draw on that and bring that into a circumstance as I simply thank him for it and receive it by faith. And that has, that so I put that in there, those scriptures, not to overwhelm, but just it's part of, been part of my journey is two things. The absolute incredible greatness of Jesus and who he is in all of his glory that he's, and he's in the power and supremacy of Jesus and who we are in Christ. So God in Christ and us in Christ have been themes of my prayer life that I've been just asking for grace and thanking him for. So that's why those last few pages are there. Because our union with Christ is one of, I felt cheated when I start understanding, like no one ever taught me that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and how that applies practically to my everyday life right now as a husband, as an employer, as an employee, as someone just trying to do life and what that implies for my future. My tendency was always look at my future very negatively. And the Lord just began to download as I began to turn in. We, you guys, our future is so filled with hope and brightness. Mm -hmm. When we see him, we're going to be like him. No matter what comes, no matter what is happening, our future is hidden in Christ. We are in, it's so powerful. Yeah. And you get his word in, and just little phrases, you begin to pray back to him, and he'll give you fresh living dynamic revelation about what that means for you and you pray it back to me and you thank him for it it's like oh my gosh this book becomes a treasure trove a treasure hunt of having a fascinated heart and not that we walk in at 24 7 i want to make it real but that we put a stake in the ground and we say that's what's available to us having a heart that's marked and branded through the word of god about who christ is in us who we are in him and all of that so Yes. Um, I just the the sort of image or maybe picture or analogy that's coming to mind is 
And of course, I'm only speaking from sort of abstract ideas that I have about this. Um, married couples could speak more because I wouldn't know personally, but um, I just imagine like a married couple living in the same house, and there's there's like a communion and there's an interaction that's ongoing, you know. But it's also there's different ways that you're communicating, right? Sometimes you're going to be communicating directly with words. Other times you're being together. Other times you know you're doing something together. Um, but there's a communion. There's a dwelling together. And I'm just sort of by way of analogy thinking about how. You know, prayer, if we're to pray continue, continually, it could be something like that, where it's not like you're just saying words all the time, but there's still, there's an open communication, there's a being, and in Spanish we say convivir, it is literally to live with, mm. and to be with, and so, um, you know, so just thinking about that dwelling together, and it could be direct words, or it could be indirect words. Maybe there's people, you know, you put a note, you know, I love you, or whatever you might do, you know, to you communicate in different ways. Um, you know, and then you eat together, and you, you know, you do all the things together, like you live life together, versus by contrast, if you were to say, sort of a, an, an in-communication or a disconnection would be, you know, walls and barriers and, you know, you know, you could be physically in the same space, but there's sort of a barrier, and um, that's why, of course, you know, confession means to agree with, to come into agreement with God that's about so good. reality. And so there's there's a coming together, but I, I don't know, I just I just thought that was kind of a something to put out there because I think there's a lot of shades and mm-hmm. nuance to how we communicate, how we commune with God, just like a married couple. They, it's not always just talking, talking, talking all the time. Nor is it like, oh, I'll just write notes. Nor is it just like, I'll just think about how great you are. It's really kind of mm-hmm. full range. That's good. Yes. That's good. Well, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, should we pray? And before we pray, I misspoke about Michael. It's not appendicitis, it's tonsillitis. So I just wanted to clear oh. that before. <laughs> oh. I'm so sorry. My brain's all appendicitis. Appendicitis, tonsillitis. <laughs> details. <laughs> details, <laughs> details. Yeah, but it seems better than yeah. Yes. While we stand, is that something we can do? Derek, Derek, would you like to close this out? Sure. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for your living word. God, we thank you for your written word. God, come and speak to us, just like John was praying today, that you would just show us the goodness that's available in your word and in your life, God, and just let us recognize the union we have with you. Mm. Yeah, that you just said you have goodness in the land of the living. So we pray today that our hearts would be stirred up to practice what John's teaching. Maybe that doesn't mean every time we read the word we're praying out loud, but I would just stir people up to just practice praying aloud, practice reading the word aloud. I know that as I was praying with my wife last night, it was easy to just think in my head prayers that, you know, Laura was scared the other night, so I could just think in my head of prayers for her, but I realized when I spoke aloud that there was something different that was happening. And so I just pray today that as we go out, we recognize the power that God has put in our words and put in our hearts to follow him and to just show his love to those around us and to the world that needs him. So God, just come and stir us up and teach us what it looks like to live praying out the scripture.